continue just trending in some themes of the church coming to maturity, us together coming to maturity individually, corporately, our marriages and families. And uh, I've got a few different directions I could go, so I guess I'll just step. Let's just pray. Lord, thank you for your word and plan, Lord. Uh, We thank you for what's written. We thank you for the word of God that endures forever, the, the scriptures of truth that are unalterable. Lord, the word of God stands firm forever. All flesh is like grass, but the word of our God stands forever. The gospel, the teachings of Christ, of the apostles, Lord, will remain forever and ever. And we thank you for the grace of God that is sufficient for us, Lord, to bend our life into order. We thank you for the strength, Lord, strengthen us in this hour, Lord, to obey you, to love you more, to walk with you, to yield to you, to say yes to your plan, Lord, at all costs. Lord, it is costly. It costs us our lives, Lord. And so teach us the way, Lord. Show us the way. Strengthen us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, I had some notes together for a couple of more weeks and um, had a really powerful time yesterday in the Lord. You all know that uh, most of the time, it's like we, we barely hear a whisper, right? And we're, we're walking by faith and not by sight. And we stay faithful to the scriptures. And he leads us sometimes without us even discerning and knowing it. And we just trust him along the way, no matter how weak it comes out. Or we're honoring him and his word. And then there's other times where you all know the Holy Spirit is just so, seems so near to you experientially. And you hear louder than ever before. It's just something so clear to you. And you see something so clear that you've read about a million times and you know he allows us to kind of tie pieces together and paint a picture for ourselves and any who would hear and I just felt yesterday a little redirection just so provoked I had a powerful time in my prayer yesterday morning with the Lord and um, I feel really strongly about some of the word the word I have today but some of these passages, and I want to turn to uh, Revelation chapter 2 to begin, and um, this is going to be a much broader picture of this love issue and how it's playing out in this generation, and how Jesus said this love issue would be contended with in the last days more than anything else, that this thing called love will be raged against among all the nations of the earth. This is serious stuff. This thing we call love, growing in love. Individually, marriage, family, church, love towards the world, love in general as an idea has been 
and is being raged against like no other time in human history. This is real today, real time. Jesus said so. And he said that the days preceding his return to the earth would mirror Noah's generation. It would be like the days of Noah. And there's a lot that goes into that. I've spent a lot of time studying that. But this particular issue really is at the core of it because it is the core issue. From beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, love is the issue. And the predominant war amongst humanity is over what this thing really is and isn't. In Noah's generation was contending with it, right? We're going to look into this. Romans chapter 1 paints the picture of the age, the age old from Genesis onward. It's nothing new among men. This rage of Satan and all the host of hell against the ideologies and definition of love, marriage, family, the man, the woman, right? We're seeing it play out in real time, and we find ourselves in Romans 1. That's where I've been for months. And at different times over the last few years, but we are living in Romans 1 right now, and it's a war over love, L-O-V-E. And I shared a dream, I think it was last week or the week before, had this, uh, not a dream, I'm sorry, an, an encounter I had with the Lord. I'll definitely call it an encounter. I was weeping and shaking, groaning, Romans 8, for the LGBT community, LGBT, and the Holy Spirit. I can say this a couple of handfuls of times, legitimately spoke to me and said they have confused LGBT with L-O-V-E. He said that to me, and I wept for this community, <coughs> this Romans 1 reality. And I'm kind of just introing into this. We'll finish next week, but I don't want to rush through this because I, I feel the utmost importance importance of it on my own life in ministry and I don't want to rush through it I want to glean from this even as I minister but there is praying and fasting that has gone into how to even approach and minister to this community and that's one level of the warfare always is prayer and fasting but it it does not and it cannot end with prayer and fasting alone and this is one of the greatest wake-ups in my own life as really an intercessor like I, that's been the predominant thing in my life I, I've been in ministry for two years right I've been called to prayer I've been in prayer and that, and so that that predominantly was just my view of oh well we just need to fast and pray to tear down strongholds and contend with the powers of the air and we do we do but the greater dimension of our warfare scripturally speaking this is this is part of the wake-up call for me in this season as an intercessor is Joseph 
there's something that will put an exclamation point on your prayers. Do you want it? There's something that will reinforce and galvanize your intercession in the earth and something that will back the prayers of the church with divine authority that does shine light and darkness and dispel it in this age. And I'm not talking about dominionism. I'm talking about authority, that God will have an expression of his kingdom in this age before Jesus returns. And there's a habitation from which that expression will come, and there's a habitation from which alone that expression will come. And it's the habitation of the church functioning in marriage and family according to God's design very intentionally, voluntarily, in, in an honest seeking of God about my life, my marriage, my family, and my relation to the body of Christ. And is it healthy? Is it wholesome? Or is it in need? And will I bend my life to become holy, health, holy healthy, and wholesome? <laughs> right? So there's prayer and intercession that goes into this, but our lives, the new humanity, the church, the new and last Adam and Eve, Christ and his church, relating to one another from earth and heaven, being refashioned as we are into the image and likeness of God, and functioning in marriage and family according to God's design, is what will put the exclamation point on all of our labors. Right? It will. Our obedience, our lives matter if we wish to see our prayers matter. It's not just words and verbiage. It has to be taking action, taking heed to the word of God. In allowing time in our lives to see this picture. So, amen. All that to begin. I want to read Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. This is the church of Thyatira. And Jesus says a few different things here, but I want to just look at verse 20. Because I, I was in this yesterday, and God was just expanding my understanding of what this thing really is and looks like, especially in the present time. And how it's, this is relevant for all of us. It's relevant to every single one of us in the room and in this hour of history. If you have breath, this verse matters. And so Jesus commends this church, says, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance. That your deeds of late are even greater than they were at first. That's pretty awesome. And so there were some successes in this church, as there were in all of these churches he speaks to. And he says, I have this one thing against you. He says, you put up with Jezebel, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches, this is key, she teaches and leads my bondservants astray. 
That's key. So that they commit acts of immorality. And when we see the word immorality, we often and mostly just think sexual immorality, which it's implied. But what goes into this issue of immorality? And what goes into the issue of morality is the issue of what God has defined love to be and what God has defined love to look like. And this Jezebel thing is a lot more than the pornography issue, though it implies that. It's a lot more than struggling with sexual lust or committing deeds of sexual sin, which it implies that. But this Jezebel issue has much more to do with Romans 1, reality, the times we live in, and this assault through every form of communication regarding the issue of love, sexuality, family, and marriage. It's all Jezebel. It's all the rage of Satan in the powers of the air against Ephesians 5. There's a war. Ephesians 6 is the war, and the war is over Ephesians 5. Let us make no mistake about this. The battle of the ages is over the man and the woman. My mind's being blown by this. Look at the garden. This all began there and it hasn't ceased. It's coming to maturity. This battle is coming to a climax. It's Romans 1. It's the days of Noah. When it says there was such degrading dynamics on the earth in Genesis chapter 6. You read it. It says that God was grieved he made man. Perfect love was grieved he made man because man had departed from perfect love. Man had exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image of man. For the image of man. For their own image. And it says that they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who's blessed forever. Amen. Profound. They departed from God, his image, his glory, his likeness, his ideal for man, and created their own God in their own image. And it says that God let them have their way. They persisted, that generation persisted in their way, and God let them have their way. And in Romans 1, we see man having his way. We see man's finest. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They departed from God's glory and went after their own way. And we see the ultimate maturity of that dynamic is Romans 1, and it's called LGBT. And you can say, well, this is a strange teaching. I don't think so. This is real deal. And my marriage and my family, the way I relate to my wife and train my daughter, or lack thereof, matters in this grand scheme more than any other time other than the days of Noah, right now. I'm going to preach this. It's true. It matters right now. 
This is motivating me greatly, convicting me greatly, continuing to move me into order. And I pray it does all of us. My prayers are one level. Ephesians 6, 18. Absolutely pray. <laughs> but because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, and it is against the rulers and authorities, I can't just pray. <laughs> I have to walk. I have to step into this thing in Ephesians 5. That's what the great warfare is over. It's over you and your wife, you and your children, sons and daughters, uh, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. It's over the whole creation. The, the, I've called it this for a few years. It's over the creative genius of God. Satan hates God's creative genius in the man and the woman. Thus, the reason he rages against it and is raging against it. And thus the reason I need to see clearly that this is written <laughs> and Jesus said it would happen. And I have a clear picture of what it looks like when a generation departs from the glory of the incorruptible God. And we have a clear picture of what it looks like when a generation of God's people turns back to the glory of the incorruptible God in Ephesians 5. When we turn our lives back to what he says, the man and woman were always meant to be, and how his plan can only come forth through that man and woman, relating properly to one another in his design. Dominion, authority. I heard someone mention a few years ago that the reason the Muslims are so rapidly expanding aggressively, right, across the earth is because they believe that their marriage and families matter in terms of reproduction and populating the earth. That's profound. It's very convicting. How many, um, I'm going to be a little scattered today, it's okay. How many children are in need of adoption right now and and to be blunt the church we are going to either adopt them or they will because perhaps they're more passionate about creating families and households than we are I don't know but I'm provoked to say my goodness this community is going after children in, in many ways, that's just one way. Are we, am I, am I willing to take more children in to save a few from the hour at hand, from the spirit of this age? This is serious stuff. So this Jezebel thing, it says, teaches and leads astray. In other words, I've talked about this in the last few weeks a little. But this thing uses Bible verses to condone a type of family and marriage and sexuality that isn't of God. It's serious. We are, we are going to be so tested in this hour as believers. 
not just to do it right ourselves, but to stand up and speak up for it. And it's, it's going to cost a lot. I've run in just a little bit of this, and it was painful. I ran into the smallest measure of contention with this spirit of the age, this Jezebel thing and this LGBT thing. It's so painful because you're just written off as hateful. And it's a conflict. It's painful because you're actually walking in true love. You're actually starting to say, I'm going to love a human life enough to tell the truth. And it's going to cost probably more times than not. And we'll probably felt like, feel like we fail more times than not because of the conflict with this thing. It's deep. It's so deep. And my family and my marriage have to back my stand and what I'm going to say and stand for. Otherwise, I'll be found a hypocrite in this hour. Speaking to me. Again, we could say, well, what does this have to do with a church of 30 or 40 in Carmel, Maine, and that's just out there. Don't say that. Please don't say that. I've said that before. <laughs> and I've gotten that out of my heart, out of my thinking. This matters right here, right now, Carmel, Maine. This matters for us. We are waging this war. We are, we are members of the body of Christ. Our response matters. Our obedience matters. I want to look at Psalm 2 real quick. Before we go there, actually, I want to read the last verse in Revelation 2. This is the promise. Check this out. This is the promise to the church that overcomes this thing and holds the ground of this reality that we will not be swayed by this thing called Jezebel. We will not be moved or swayed by teachings and Bible verses, right, in the church that promote these things. We're going to hold ground in love, but we're going to hold ground nevertheless. And we're not going to be moved with the culture. We're not going to be moved by this spirit. This is a profound promise. Verse 26, he who overcomes and keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces as I also have received authority from my Father. That's an amazing promise. That overcoming this thing, right? This confusion about marriage, family, love, sexuality, to overcome this, right, means real authority. Real authority. Not just shouting loud, praying a lot, fasting, Right? We do all that. We're not stopping that. But it's going to give us real footing in authority in, in the earth to steer clear of these things and stay clear about what God says about sexuality, marriage, and family and take a stand for it and be obedient to it. It's going to give us real authority. Again, Ephesians 5 is the ultimate authority over the powers of the air. 
Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6.18 are inseparable. Right? Our prayers in Ephesians 6.18 will have true authority and impact, spiritually speaking, if we're doing the Ephesians 5 thing. And ordering our lives according to his design. Growing in what God calls love. As the woman grows in what it looks like for her to love her husband, as the man grows in what it looks like for him to love the wife, as they both grow in what it really is meant to look like to steer the next generation in the way of the Lord and not deter from it, and to guard and protect them and produce godly offspring, doesn't, doesn't that sound like the original plan in Genesis chapter 3? God blessed the man and the woman and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule it. That's authority. And the authority comes from the man and woman doing it how he designed them to do it. It's more than prayer. It's more than prayer, Joseph. This promise to the church of Thyatira is the same promise given to Jesus in Psalm chapter 2. I love this. It, Jesus takes the promise given to him as the only begotten son. Get this. And he carries it, however many chapters it is, he pulls it out of Psalm 2, puts it in Revelation 2, and says, this is for you. If you overcome this issue, that has to do with it. <laughs> you overcome this issue, you become a people who hold this line. Right? And you'll have authority over nations as I will have authority over nations when I return. You can have some of it now, sons and daughters. I'll give you some of it in this age. Real authority. If you're willing to steer clear from this thing when it rears its head in the last days. So Psalm 2, authority has to do with marriage and family and sexuality. It's inseparable. It has to do with the Garden of Eden dominion uh, uh, before the Garden. <laughs> Genesis 1, when God gave dominion to the man and the woman, had to do with them staying in obedience to God and his word and his design. And they didn't. And however many years later, what is it, 960 years, I guess? we see the growth of a, a different God, a different design. Well, man's this, woman's that. Family's not what it used to be. And there was this drifting for nine, uh, close to a 1,000 years, right? And Noah's generation comes, and they had departed from the glory of the incorruptible God, and God was grieved he made man in the first place. And he spares one thing. As I'm preaching, I'm seeing this clearer and clearer. What did he spare? A family. Come on. 
That's right. One thing made it through that generation. A righteous man and his household, his wife and his sons and daughters. There's no coincidence here. This is serious stuff. Serious stuff. It's a picture of the church making it through the last days. We've got, I've got to get and keep getting. Uh, we're seeing a lot of fruit. Uh, I'm a family member here. I have nothing to hide, right? A year ago, my wife and I started marriage counseling a year in June. And I can't believe it's been a year. And I'm not perfect. But we're bearing fruit. And our life is moving in the right direction. It's moving in the right direction. There's so much grace to just start stepping. <laughs> There's so much grace to start stepping. But it matters because that's all that's going to make it in these times of history. Just as all that made it was a righteous man in this household. All that will make it in the days ahead is healthy, wholesome, godly marriages and families for the times we live in. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. I want to read out of the Amplified because a, a couple particular words that are used blew my mind more and more and more. Riveting. Romans chapter 1, verse 26 to 32 in the Amplified Version. So this is what God says. This is what the Word says about the days of Noah. And the present day. I don't think any of us can argue with, is this generation like that generation? Or at least, is it beginning? Right? It's begun at least. We could agree on that. Verse 26 to 32 in the Amplified Version. Check this out. For this reason, God gave them over to vile affections and degrading passions. For their women exchanged their natural function for an unnatural and abnormal one. And the men also turned from natural relations with women and were set ablaze and consumed with lust for one another. Men were committing shameful acts with men and suffering in their bodies and personalities the inevitable consequences and penalty of their wrongdoing and were going astray. And so since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God or approve of Him or consider Him worth the knowing, God gave them over to a base and condemned mind to do things not proper or decent but loathsome. Verse 30, they became slanderers, hateful to and hating God, full of insolence and arrogance, boasting, inventors of new forms of evil. And check this out. What's the next piece? 
Can you believe that's in there? I was blown. This morning I saw that. I said, that's profound. Disobedience to parents is in Romans 1. It says it's part of the mature outgrowth of transgression among humanity is the breakdown of fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and husbands and wives. The family design is corrupted and begins to decay. That's serious stuff. He put it in there. That God looks, God looks at Noah's generation and God looks at the last generation on earth and he says there will be breakdown in the relation of fathers and sons. And it's not a light thing even though it's common, Joseph. Don't say, yeah, it's been this way my whole life. It's been this way for eons of time. Don't be fooled, Joseph. This is a sign of the contention in the last days, and my church must come to maturity. Ephesians 4 maturity is Ephesians 5. Joseph, make no mistake about it. Your marriage matters, your family matters, and the way you teach your daughter matters more than ever before because take a look again. Take heed to this thing. Disobedience to parents is in there because it grieved the heart of the Creator who designed the father and son and mother and daughter and man and wife to have a proper function and this generation abandoned the proper function. And God's turning us back again. I, I look at the last uh, three years here and I'm saying, Lord, you've spared me. You've spared us. Thank you, Lord. Spare us all the more. Keep showing me the way. Keep showing us the way. Give us insight into the word of God. Insight that would motivate me to action grace-filled action not law-based obedience that i would delight to do your will that i wouldn't just say eh well i'm not a big sinner my husband isn't and my kids aren't we're good people we'll just keep doing it our way and the lord says uh-uh <laughs> it doesn't work that way and god's shifting our paradigms all of us in different ways right and it's all good, and it all matters in the grand scheme of God in Ephesians 6. The, the contention between them and us, and God getting his wisdom through us to them, has everything to do with this. My marriage, my family, and what sexuality and love really is according to God. We're not condemning, pointing fingers. I'm pointing out a dynamic on the earth that I was more blind to even just two months ago than I am today. And I thank God for that. I don't want to be blind to it. I don't want to stand aloof and be fooled. I don't want to be indifferent and disinterested any longer. Let's look at Malachi chapter 4 real quick. We'll end here and we'll continue. Uh, we'll seal this off next week. But look at, let's look at Malachi chapter 4. This is amazing. 
promise. Everyone probably knows it. But in context, thinking of all of this here, right? Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. Out of the Amplified. And he shall turn and reconcile the hearts of the estranged fathers to the ungodly children and the hearts of the rebellious children to the piety of their fathers. A reconciliation produced by repentance. Wow. Lest I come and smite the land with a curse and a ban of utter destruction. He says this, hear this. God says, I'm going to cause a restoration of proper function in the land, on the earth, between fathers and sons. You put the whole thing in there, family, marriage. That's what that is. It's not just the father and the son. He's talking about something here. He says, I'm going to restore it. Because if I don't, the broken concept of marriage and family will produce such transgression on the earth that I'd have to judge it. Which is exactly what he did in Noah's generation. It got so bad, he spared a righteous household and judged the earth. Because family and marriage and what sexuality is, was so contorted in Romans 1 and Noah's generation that it produced degrading, ungodly things on the earth. Right? It's a breakdown of relationship as God has designed it to be. And God's going to restore it and spare us. He said he'll never judge the earth again like he did in that generation. Right? He will judge the earth, but not like that. And God is going to restore us. And there's implication here even for our own context. Because everything I'm talking about today would tell us, number one, we are trending in the divine direction. <laughs> we are trending in the right direction. We've spent two years anyway together laboring in the word of God in lining up our lives and our marriages and our households. And we're not stopping. And it tells us that that matters for this area we live in. Spiritually speaking and practically speaking, it matters. And it alone will give us true expressive authority in our region. To deliver, to help people, to save them, to show them the way and not just tell them. The way that we would have a habitation of God by the Spirit here in Carmel, Maine. Ephesians 2. We are being built up as a habitation of God in the Holy Spirit to express the divine image to angels and men. That's serious stuff. That's why it matters so much. That's why it matters so much to God that we continue trending with him and another thing I want to mention is, you know, there's been some war, some battles going on for many of us. Just some assaults on the mind, 
the body, right? And maybe many other ways. But we can be assured that we are going to agitate something, spiritually speaking, just by the fact that we're saying yes to this as a community. And have said for over two years, listen, step back for a moment. What we've been doing for however long it's been, two years, three years, is poking something up there. Yes, our prayers, but our lives, it's the exclamation point on our prayers. Every step we take in this direction is just prodding and poking and forcing something out of the way it has to move. And we can't stop. It's like come hell or high water, we have to keep traction. And there's, there's tremendous fruit in our midst. It's amazing. It's amazing. So we'll end there. We'll pray and end there, and we'll, we'll finish next week.